Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode six. Sorry, 106. What? <laughs> How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm doing great. You didn't do We Are Your Hosts? I know, I know, right? Oh my God, I'm so <laughs> off my game. We Are Your Hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. All right, all right. A little shaky start there, but what, what have you guys been up to? I hear that it might rain today, so I'm very excited about that. Really? Really? It I looks agree. like it's going to rain, but I I didn't see anywhere that it was going to rain. Not until Wednesday. Ooh, Wednesday. It's just going to be cloudy all week long and then rain and very windy on Tuesday, apparently. Awesome. I, I love that weather. I get to wear boots around the house and <laughs> scarves. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I, I enjoy the rain. I enjoy it more, though, when I'm under covers and just hearing the pitter patter. Yes, I um, only enjoy yeah. rain when I don't have to go outside in it, when I can admire it from afar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had yeah. a dream that I found a box of umbrellas, like a very just a, a variety of umbrellas in my garage. Isn't that weird? That is weird, <laughs> especially since I I really one I own I own one umbrella because I stole it from somebody, and the other one I found that is a di <laughs> is a diamond comics and distributors. Uh, oh wow! Umbrella. I don't know if I stole that or if it was given to me, or if I got it at a convention uh, at their booth in at Comic Con. Freud would have a lot to say about you stealing items that are clearly phallic. <laughs> no well i mean i don't do it often i mean i just came across <laughs> it was a. Uh, I it thought was... it was generally agreed upon that freud was a hack <laughs> <laughs> freud it i definitely am not a fan of freud but he still would have a lot to say about sarah's um <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> umbrella <laughs> that's true that's true umbrella, yeah my umbrella fetish <laughs> oh my god you just uh, i just had a very uncomfortable image in my head <laughs> it you know it all started with when uh bugs bunny or i don't know who i think it was jerry who put an umbrella in tom and opened it i don't remember something like that <laughs> but he followed the umbrella <laughs> It, it it wasn't from the other end. Okay, too much, too much, too much, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the old cartoons had some crazy shit in them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, like I mean, I I greatly enjoy it. It's actually why I like classical music is because they all of the all yeah. of the cartoon was um in sync with the orchestra music, which. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes mm -hmm. they would do opera, and that was my favorite. Kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. <laughs> Those are my favorite. So, um, yeah, when, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, what was it, a Viking woman that Elmer Fudd would yeah. dress up as? Yes. Uh huh, with yeah. his little trenza hanging down, <laughs> <laughs> and his little helmet. Oh, yeah. those were the days. <laughs> Well, also, we have some news for our listeners out there. Uh, we have a recently launched Patreon. Uh, Kristen, can you tell us more about it? Yeah, so uh, we, Commodity Comics, is part of a um, podcast network called Period Podcast. And it is a network that has a variety of podcasts by women for everyone. And there are um, so many cool uh, podcasts, Tinseltown Tea, where it's two black women who work in the entertainment industry here in Los Angeles, talking about the do's and don'ts of uh, getting into the industry. There is a fiction podcast, which I'm not going to lie. Before I heard of Elaine's uh, uh, Cooking for the Soul podcast, I had no idea even like it makes sense to me now, but I never even thought about the fact that there could be fiction podcasts. Um, and then there is a uh, comic girl crush, a girl who a woman who 
um, talks about being a, a woman in the comic stand-up comic industry. So I just, there, there's a couple of others too, but, um, I'm just amazed at the talent that we have the amazing honor to be around in this uh, network. And so this Patreon is a collaborative Patreon with all of us. And so you as a Patreon um, and supporter of Commodity Comics will also be supporting the, the network as a whole and will be getting lots of goodies from all of the podcasts. So you will be introduced to all of them and um, be uh, actually uh, receiving cool little things from all of the podcasts. So you can go to um, www.patreon.com and I believe that it is um, period podcast network backslash period podcast network. That's right. So um, I believe we have our very first contributor. So we're yes. very excited. I heard that. It's uh, so yeah, it's exciting for everyone guys. And hopefully you can contribute even a little bit helps uh, to create these wonderful podcasts uh, from women for everyone. <laughs> All right, guys, Kristen, what time is it? It seems like it is La Hora de la Cervecita. Yes, I'm <laughs> ready. I'm so, 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 so excited about this. It has been in my refrigerator since you dropped it off, just staring at me and calling to me and beckoning me over. Um, it is She Brew. And it, it says Shebrew, hashtag RBG IPA. This is uh, a brew that was brewed in honor of International Women's Collaboration Brew Day. I think that's super awesome Yes, um, that that even exists. I know that just like comics, um, the beer brewing industry is also widely male dominated um, historically. And so um, there are women who are in the industry and a lot of times um, get lost in the shuffle. Uh, uh, and so it's amazing that there's an actual collaboration brew day um, for women in the industry and that they this year in, uh, in um, correspondence also with Women's History Month, um, which is March, uh, they brewed this she brew. Um, and I am so, so, so excited because it is going to be my first ever foray into drinking a milkshake beer. So uh, <laughs> this is a milkshake IPA, India Pale Ale, brewed with raspberry, blueberry, and grapefruit. That sounds uh, good. Yes, and the little description. On that this does list, sound really good says um a tribute collaboration celebrating a truly epic hero who changed our country and our consciousness for the better through her work and by her example this year is clearly different from all other years and we brewed this sincere offering to give huge thanks to a guardian and a champion in the way we know best by upholding the bar for hashtag notorious ipas equally balanced for commem commemoration of life and just causes everywhere Laheim. So um, that was um, by Jeremy and Lori and the extended Schmaltz Mustache Posse. So this is a collaboration between Schmaltz Brewing Company and Mustache Brewing Company. This is super cool. I am so excited to drink this. I, I immediately when I saw the cover, I was like the, the can art. I was like, we need to. Yes, we nice. need to review this. So, so it's very deep, dark pink, um, <laughs> hot pink, actually. And it has Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, in the back. And then it has um, a whole bunch of people dressed in their judge. Uh, I don't know what that's called. Rock <laughs> robe. There you go. But I don't know who these people are. Um probably people who are in the in the, in the brewery brewing industry yeah um and so uh but yes the coloring is just so cool and eye-catching oh that's very dark Ooh, that's yeah. the color of my pee when i don't drink water Kristen, <laughs> 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 well it smells good 
Initially, it smells like blueberries and raspberries. Mm. It does smell kind of milky. And milky too, yeah. Makes my my mouth water smelling it. Yes, I. It smells fruity. Wow, that was out of left field for me. That taste. <laughs> and, and just I don't know what I was expecting. Me but either. Yeah, it was. It was not that. It's yeah. Um, it's not bad. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. It's not me. bad, but it's not no, at it's all. It's not what bad, I but it was. I don't know. I was expecting uh, more of a classic IPA taste, mm-hmm. I guess. But it's not. It's very. Hmm. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost not exactly. It's almost like a fruit smoothie, not a milkshake. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. There's a little tartness to it at the at the front of the mouth um and then as you drink it you get the i get the fullness of the fruit all over Mm. uh and then there is a hop taste but it's not a hoppy overwhelming oh my god this is an ipa i can taste the hops i can appreciate it but it doesn't overpower the flavor um Mm. yes i didn't know what to expect also because i've never had a milkshake uh style beer at all and i believe they come in other um i i might be wrong i don't know but i feel like i believe i've seen other varieties that are milkshake as well um so this is the first ipa uh, that i've ever uh milkshake ipa that i've ever tried i think i've had like a milkshake stout or something along those lines and i kind of liked it um um but yeah, this is the first time trying a milkshake IPA. Mm-hmm. And I don't hate it. It's pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, initially you smell the berries um, when you open the can. And a little bit of milky smell as well. And it, it, it's the raspberry and the blueberry. And then when you, when you take the first sip, um, you get the sensation of the grapefruit. And yes, then, and then yeah. everything mm-hmm. else comes in. Yes. It's it's pretty flavorful and like I said, um mm-hmm. it it's not like it doesn't it's not like juice. It, it literally tastes like I'm drinking a fruit smoothie, like a a, a very boozy fruit smoothie. <laughs> yeah. So I did a quick Google search of what actually is a milkshake IPA, and it's basically the combination of milk, sugar, and fruit. Okay. Um, ah. So uh the use of lactose and fruit defines what a milkshake IPA is. Mm. So mm. Um, take your lactate. <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> Damn, um, I'm going to have an upset stomach after this. I know, this right? Good. Like, this is a warning on there. <laughs> um, but yes, it's very, very flavorful and while it's not like drinking a glass of milk, there's definitely an undertone of like a creaminess there. And it's really good. I really enjoy it a lot. Yes, definitely. I, I really like um, how there's kind of a, a the fruit stands out um, in the taste, which I really like. Um, there, The IPA bitterness is doesn't grab you. It just mm-hmm. kind of, you feel it, but it's not like lingering. Yeah. Um, and um, what is this, a 5.0, a 6.0? 6.0, 6. yes. <clears throat> so, so, yeah, it's it's not, it's definitely different for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of glad, you know, I'm trying out different things. Um, it almost, and if you let it sit a little bit more room temperature, it gives you the sensation of, um, do you guys know of the Smarties uh, rolls of candy? Yeah, yeah. It's, it sort of gives me that that sensation. I love Smarties. Me too. <laughs> me too. It's like the only candy I'll eat like during Halloween because um, mm-hmm. I'm not really a candy person, but Smarties are Smarties are my jam. <laughs> so you like the chalky sugar taste? Yes, and then they're all, they're, they're little bits, so you don't have to like stick a whole like piece of candy in there. It's just like a little tab, and you're you know you got your little sugar fix. When That's I was I a like kid, I thought I thought Smarties were what how chalk tasted like. Really? That's funny. 
yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to just mention that um in addition to this beer being brewed in honor of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, the benefits of the sales of this beer go to Pink Boots Society and ACLU Women's Rights Project. Um, so nice. I actually don't know what Pink Boots Society is. Uh, we um, talked about it um, several, several. I, I would even venture to say like a year ago on okay. the podcast. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's the women brewers get together and they release. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, to yeah, highlight. Yeah. To highlight women brewers in the industry as well, uh-huh. uh, and how they're uh, like they had merchandise, and I think their proceeds go to certain types of, of um, um, ¿cómo se dice? You Movements. Know, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Or or nonprofits. Right. Exactly. Oh, okay. And uh-huh. I think it's a uh, it's an international um, thing. Oh, nice. They, oh, wow. They also. They also I think they did. I think uh, Delirium Tremens did something too. I'm not too oh. sure, but yes, um, definitely. Um, it, it's it's a movement. Okay, <laughs> that's Sounds cool. Awesome. That's another thing is that this is sweet, but not like cider sweet. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a pretty manageable sweet. I think it's it's really good. It's not overpowering, and it only adds. Uh, more flavor to the drink as well. I was just trying to find some information about the actual makeup of the beer, but for the most part, they're just talking about um, about the support and RBG and all that kind of stuff. So I am not finding anything uh, actually about the makeup or what hops are being used. I'm sure that if you really delve deep into it, you might be able to find it. But a quick Google search has not brought me to anything. <laughs> and, and just to let everyone out there know, uh, uh, Pink Boots Society is here to assist, inspire, encourage women fermented slash alcoholic beverage professionals through education. So um, they do this brew, they, this collaboration day once a year. Um, mm-hmm. And many, many uh, other um, breweries, uh, they they enter to uh, uh, to be part of it as well. So, and they offer scholarships, and there's a lot of great stuff. Cool. Uh, so anyway, wow. they're, they're, this brew is part of that collaborative um, of uh, event with Pink Pit Society as well as Women's uh, Women's History Month. So this is pretty cool, and it's so really different from anything we've drank on the show. Mm-hmm. Like we can't even really compare it to anything because it's mm-hmm. so really really different. Yeah, um, I'm already yeah. getting a buzz just so you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's working its magic, but I love the can art, and we'll put a picture of it um, in in the in uh, facebook and in instagram but what do you guys think so far of the brew oh i really liked it so um i don't know did you are you ready to rate it yes okay so just as a a reminder um we rate our beers on a five point scale where one out of five is flaccid two out of five is initial three out of five is partial a four out of five is a full and a Five out of five is a rigid, but if it is something so super amazing that we just have to go above and beyond, a six out of five is a super saiyan. So um, I'm going to actually start and I'm going to give it a rigid. I'm going to give it a five out of five. I really like it a lot. Um, And I also love the fact that it is Um, going towards um, helping to further women in the industry as well as uh, the ACLU um, and that this one in particular is um, to honor um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So um, I give it a five out of five. I'm going to second that. This is Sarah and I'm going to give it a five out of five as well. I like uh, the aromas initially when opening the can and then the grapefruit as I drink the first drink um, at room temperature. It goes into like a smarty kind of taste. Um, like I said, the the candy. Um, but I really like the fact that it's so different 
but it's not awful. Like it's different and it sort of sparks the imagination. So uh, that's what I like about it. And um, I am a little scared about the lactose, but I know me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little hesitant, but in initially the taste is great. Um, the can artwork is great. Uh, like I said, I'm a little scared about the lactose part of it, but Hey man, live on the wild side. <laughs> well, this is Jen, and I'm also gonna give it a rigid because I, the taste was very shocking, simply because I didn't know what to expect, and it definitely wasn't that. But I mean, if uh, if you want to taste something, if you want to taste like an IPA that's different, or if you're like kind of don't like IPAs, uh, like I do. Uh, this is actually mm-hmm. a pretty good one because it's not it's not super hoppy. It doesn't have like a super bitter aftertaste or anything like that. It's actually kind of sweet, um, um, but also like mellow. The, I think the lactate also really helps like mellow the taste out. And like I said, it tastes like a fruit smoothie, uh, which is never bad in my opinion. So uh, I'm definitely going with a rigid as well. All right, guys, that was a rigid all around. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. And Kristen, you have some great Chisme for us. Yes. Okay, so this Chisme comes um, from the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Hot off the presses of the internet. (laughs) Yes, um, where there have been some photos being shared off the new Thor film uh, set, um, Thor Love and Thunder. And the pictures that are being passed around are of one Natalie Portman looking so freaking buff that it is like almost unbelievable. Buff Natalie Portman, you have my interest. Yes. And so um, for those of you who don't know, Natalie Portman, Portman, Portman is playing um, or she has played the role of Jane Foster in previous Thor movies. And for those of you who also don't know, Jane Foster became Thor. She became, uh, she picked up Mjolnir uh, in um, in Jason Aaron's run of Thor and was worthy and became Thor. So, um, and this was when um, Odin's son was um, not worthy. And so I love that storyline. I love just where the story went. Um, I I don't want to spoil too much if you haven't read the book because I want the movie to just be amazing. But um, the fact that she is going above and beyond and like preparing for the role just super excites me. I'm really excited for this movie. I'm not a big fan of Thor Odinson and I'm not a big fan of Thor the previous movies. But this one, I'm so looking forward to, and I really, really, really don't want to be disappointed. So, um, <laughs> me neither. That is that's my cheese, man. I can't wait to see buff, uh, buff Natalie Portman take on the role of Jane Foster's Thor. Yeah, you know, I really like the fact that she's really diving into the role, and she's been known to do this before. She's done it for uh, Black Swan, where uh, she took on a rigorous uh, workout uh, because she played a um, a ballerina, Mm -hmm. and I think she was picked as prima ballerina in the film to play the lead role of the Black Swan. So, I mean, you know... The way she dove into that one, and I just can't wait to see this. I mean, buff Natalie Portman, little petite Natalie Portman. I know. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the pictures, uh, like she she ain't petite no more. Right? Damn. <laughs> All right, girl. Oh, I know. I know, man. Do it. Natalie Portman, if you are available, I am also available. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. I'm not available, but I'll make it happen. <laughs> all right guys now it's time for our book review what are we reviewing today so today we are reviewing black af america's sweetheart uh this was uh published by black mask studios and it was written by kwanzaa osa jefo 
Uh, I hope I said that right. Uh, designed by Tim Smith III. Cover art by Sho Murase. Interior artist Jennifer Johnson. Letter David Sharp. Um, uh, and editor Sarah Litt. Yeah, you know, I didn't know this, but there's a lot of uh, Black AF titles out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm not certain mm-hmm. if if each book represents one story as a whole or if it's a continuing series. Well, um, I was doing some research um, of this particular book, um, and we actually have had the Black AF books in our shop. And um, when I was looking up um, some information about this one in an interview with Kwanzaa um, Osayefo, um, he says that he had always planned there to be three books. Um, mm-hmm. And so I know there's Black AF and then there's this one. And I feel like there is a, another one that I've seen at the shop, but I can't yeah. remember what it yeah, is. Yeah, there is another one. I can't remember the name right now, but yes. Which saddens me because I, I read this book and I wanted to know more. <laughs> yeah, so the the books all take place within the same world. But yeah, I don't think they follow the same characters. Right, mm-hmm. right, yeah. So this one, Black AF, America's Sweetheart, is uh, follows Eli Franklin, who is a 15-year-old girl living in rural Montana. And she just happens to be the most powerful person on the planet. In the aftermath of the world learning that only Black people have superpowers, Eli makes it her debut as the superhero good girl on a mission to help people and quell the fear of empowered Blacks. When a super terrorist threatens to take away everything Eli has worked toward, will donning a patriotic costume be enough for her to find acceptance? So, usually I have an issue with books that take on, like, oh, like, what if this person like or the or like a superhero came and saved all these people who are like in trouble uh for like real world disasters or like consequences or uh actions or situations that have happened uh this book kind of has that uh a little bit but they it was done in a manner that i actually really really enjoyed because it wasn't like uh oh look this person comes in saves everything and everything's okay and everybody kind of lives happily ever after no there isn't uh in this book eli she is she kind of has the superman origin Mm -hmm. story Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. i thought was like was really great uh because um she she just appears to this family uh and uh in like rural montana on a farm and she gets taken in she gets adopted and she is raised by very kind of i don't even know really know what to call it but i guess very like american pie white bread or white picket fence yeah uh family values and stuff like that and I don't know, just because, I mean, I grew up in the inner city and I've always lived in the inner city and stuff like that. Um, So a lot of those values are just, to me, they're they're very dissonant from what I know and what I've grown up with about, like, patriotism and stuff like that. And so while I was reading it and she was just, like, kind of spouting off these things or, like, not even spouting off, like, because the creator made her like believe these things and stuff like that but as she was saying it and i i just uh as she was saying it i was just all like hmm i wonder what would it have been if she had been adopted by not a white family Mm -hmm. um uh, or like what would her values be then and stuff like that it's just there was a lot of like there's a lot of layering in this comic that i actually really enjoyed and made Eli herself more of a nuanced character to me than kind of just like a the, instead of like like a what if situation kind of thing happen mm-hmm. like oh like what if like okay in this world where only black people have superpowers like uh what what is what is she like what does she stand for and stuff like that um the book did a I think a really good job of kind of putting up against like real world consequences Mm -hmm. and actions and how she's viewed and her own idealism as well so it's just she she's basically a more interesting superman 
<laughs> that's, that's, absolutely- that's literally it's like not more interesting maybe a more nuanced superman because definitely race plays a heavy matter yeah uh in in her creation and in her like powers and how she operates as a superhero as well mm-hmm. there's a great situation in the book where she is helping out during a natural disaster but then on the internet she's being accused of having a racial preference because she was seen helping only like uh minorities or like black americans and stuff like that uh and then she but then as she was kind of defending her actions someone was just like hey the the areas that were most affected by this were the poor neighborhoods who historically have more people of color in them Mm -hmm. uh but to her like handlers and stuff like that they were like hey you don't you like you can't do that and so there's the question of what do you do to kind of either like do you not help people do you like uh do you listen to the government or do you go with your own instincts and uh it's it it was like i said it was very nuanced and i i really enjoyed that yeah absolutely this uh eli does have a lot of layers as a character initially of course she ends up with this white family um they they adopt her they don't really know where she comes from and they they actually ask her to keep her abilities a secret. Um, but she goes on to express how she was raised in a very loving home, but she always knew she was different, not only because of the color of her skin, but, but because of her superpowers. Uh, but what we didn't know uh, initially was that her father, her adoptive father, uh, works for the government. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a facility that that houses super... Uh, powered black uh, people and so now we get into like a, an even more complex storyline because now we have quote, to unquote houses <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes exactly so we get into a whole different part of the story that has even more layers to it because now you have the father who works for the government who has known that there are other super powered black people on earth and how they have um removed them from society and some of them are working under their umbrella as well so now there's i mean this like i said this takes place in one book and i want to know more because there's so much so much meat in this story not only that i think it's the first time i have read a comic book story that uses social media within its story plot um we see uh how how her aspect changed when she first saw i don't know if it was on twitter or on instagram or on facebook where she saw uh, a video that was uh, being being uh, shared it was called negro muerte video and where she saw like how they basically killed a black man and it went viral and all social media was playing it. And that really played a lot in how she viewed herself and what she needed to do as a superhero. But because her dad is uh, works for the government, he, they pro- they give her some handlers who try to uh, have t- try actually try to have her be like Superman, like all American, like, you know, good old good girl, you know, good job you know like it it, and and it just it gets political very fast and and social media has a lot to do with that there's a lot of hate posts a lot of hate comments um and it just gets really complicated and not only that then there's another plot aspect of the origins of her family that we see that i'm just like i would really appreciate more books because i want to know the rest of the story but it was really well written and there were no plot holes like i feel like this was this had a lot of content in such a little book and it is paced very well and the art is amazing i love the art it was just so perfect it was just a perfect marriage between this story and the art um but there's a lot there's a lot to uncover in this story that i really wish we could talk about but i don't want to ruin it for you guys you guys need to get this book (laughs) Uh, yeah, so Jennifer Johnson is the artist for this particular book. And um, I read the first couple of issues, single issues of Black AF, the original story that came out. And that was more of an urban setting and more of a dark 
feeling. And this particular book has a whole different feeling to it. And in this interview that I was reading, they definitely um, wanted that to be a contrast. And so they specifically chose Jennifer because of her more bright, vibrant, um, feel good type of art. Mm -hmm. And the artwork was really amazing. But I really like how later on in the in the artwork and i think that shows a lot to jennifer's talent as well as an uh, as an artist but it she made very serious she made um uh, very serious like scenes like they were still like she still used like her unique brand of brightness but they were still very serious and very somber as well and uh there's a particular scene towards the end of the book where i thought it was it was really it was really heartbreaking because uh one of the main antagonists of the book is someone who might have uh the origins to uh eli's past uh and she's she kind of has to go head to head with them and in doing so she kind of unleashes a lot more of her power than she knew that she had and there's consequences to that uh and it was it was a very serious scene uh, but even with Jennifer's uh, artwork, it was still it was it was very beautiful and it was but it was really sad, too. And I think mm -hmm. uh, she did a great job with it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, um, that is the darkest part of the book for me. And I feel like I want to know more about that. But uh, I mean, if you can imagine it, there is time travel in this book as well. Um, there's future plots that. Um, that you don't know what the turning point in history is that makes them a reality. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, it, there's so many layers to this book. And <clears throat> even that, that small part at the end, the darkest part of the book, if, if that was a different book in its own, I think, I think it would be super great. I, I, I would love to read that. <laughs> any more takes, uh, Kristen, any, I, um, no, I just I think that if um, it's important for people who might be contemplating reading the book to understand that, um, yeah, this this book is uh, the story takes place in a world where only black people have superhero powers. But it also takes place in a world where racism, racism still clearly exists. Mm -hmm. And it's still mm -hmm. the white people who have the power in all other ways, shapes and forms. And which is why you're seeing there's kind of an X-Men element to this as well, uh, in addition to uh, Superman, because that's where you're seeing the government step in and take the super uh, powered black people and stealing them away and shutting them away and trying to get control around it. Because at the end of the day, it's still white people being afraid of black people having power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Isn't that, and like that is the main emphasis of the book. Mm -hmm. I think as well, it's a, uh, it's, it's very real world problems held in a kind of fantastical light, but still taking them very, very seriously, yeah. which I think a lot of the books that I've seen that use the superhero uh, to alleviate real world problems thing kind of miss is that it, it almost feels like they don't take it seriously, but this one does a great job of mm -hmm. taking it seriously and putting consequences and actions and stuff like that. So I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it was it was very well written. Oh, yeah. absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, now we didn't talk about the cover art. It's very very well made, and the cover artist is, um, I think, you had mentioned her when you introduced it. Yes, uh, the cover artist is Sho Murase. Yeah, and from what I know, Shomurase is uh, she was born in Japan and then she was raised in in Spain, mm -hmm. and is currently living in the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So on her website, which is Shomurase dot com, that's S H O M U R A S E. It says that she's currently residing in San Francisco, um, where she's actually been living for the past ten plus years, and. She is half Japanese and half Korean. Um, she studied fine art and graphic design in Barcelona, Spain, or as the locals say, Barcelona. <laughs> 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 and yes, that is where she grew up, which is, I mean, her whole uh, lifetime experiences of just growing up in Spain, being half 
Japanese, half Korean, living in San Francisco, I, I'm um, guessing has really um, lent itself to helping um, with our artistic endeavors. Um, uh, it says, oh, in fact, the next sentence says, this mix of cultures is often reflected in her work, which has been described as emerging of Western European art influences with Asian influences, such as manga and sumi, sumi A, sumi E. I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is, Jen? Uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, it basically, it's a kind of like a very, uh, negative space work kind oh, of art. That's what I was saying yeah. that I love. <laughs> I'm looking at her website and I love like, um, like, uh, I want to say Michael Cho, but I can't remember if that's his first name or not, but Cho, one of the cover artists for Marvel does a lot of negative space work in this, comp- uh, uh, type of style that looks very similar. And I, I, now that I know that's actual style, I'm going to seek it out because her work is amazing. Um, her artwork has been exhibited at Disney's Wonderground Gallery, the German Film Museum in Frankfurt, and the Louisiana Modern Art Museum in Denmark. Um, and then it says, lately, her time has been divided between making style guides as well as her works in comics and her own art. So, um, Sarah, I know that you wanted to highlight her specifically because she had a very unique story around her. Uh, yeah, I briefly read um, that uh, there were she suffers from a, a, a very rare kidney uh, illness. And so because of that, she's had to have dialysis. Uh, but not only that, uh, there was a point in her in time that her doctor gave her, I think, a month to live. And because her her sister was battling her own illness back home in Japan, uh, she had no one to take care of her. So because she's developed um, all these friendships while doing conventions, um, the, her convention artists and pals, independent artists, they came and, and rallied for her. And so uh, some of the people that she's met through conventions came out and actually um, helped her in her daily um, uh, daily struggles at home because uh, she was too weak to do many things. And, um, and then so some of the artists... They actually donated, uh, David Mack being one of them that I can recall off the top of my head, they donated artwork for auctions where all the proceeds go would go to her medical bills. Um, wow. so, and this is happening all during the pandemic. So, yeah. So if you want, if you're interested in supporting um, a show or learning more about um how the community came together to help her. There is a website called healshow.com. That's H-E-A-L-S-H-O.com. And um, you can learn uh, a little bit more about who she is and how the comic book community has come together um, to help her on her, in her ongoing health battle. Um, and then there are some ways that you can help as well. Awesome. Yeah, and her artwork's really awesome. When you open that it page, is. it just pops out at you, and it's yeah. really, really great. Really, she mm-hmm. and actually, Jen, you were saying she designed a statue. Yeah, she's designed a couple of statues for DC collectibles uh, that use her very like um, um those are very well known. It's like uh, they're the black and white statues um uh, that have been published or that will have been made uh and they're super easy to find you can find them uh at dc collectibles or through your local retailer shop uh you can order them or see if they're still available to order and she's mm-hmm. done one for catwoman harlequin and uh poison ivy and they look amazing they look really really good i especially really like that poison ivy one that's super awesome. So if you guys have the inclination to donate or help out, please do check out that website. Are we ready to rate this book? Yes. Yes. All right, Jen, what do you think? What's your rating? Um, I'm going to give it three conchas because I did enjoy it. I was thinking of giving it two, but uh, Black AF itself um, uh, and the the main series uh, or I call it the main series black too was really, really good. And I remember when black first came out, it made some big waves it did. Uh, in the industry and it was really sought after. Uh, and issue was it issue number three. I think that we had to, had to have uh, be covered. Yes. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it, the cover page was very strong. was very, um, uh, uh, it was pretty graphic. 
yeah. um, uh, as well. But it was uh, it was it was a book that made waves, and I think this one too itself was was really popular when it was coming out. Um, uh, but I want to know more about it, and I also want to read more about Eli and where where her route takes her. So I'm gonna give it three conchas. Yeah, I'm going to second that. Three Conchas for me, I really enjoyed uh, the social media aspect of it, the time travel aspect, the oh my God, where do I come from aspect. I mean, and then it was on top of that, the character development was awesome. The writing was excellent. The artwork was on par. It just was like amazing all around. And I can't wait to read the other books because this is like my actual first uh, book introduction to this uh, comic book series. So Tres Conchas for me. This is Kristen, and I am also going to give it three conchas. I really enjoyed the storyline. I, like I said, had already been um, introduced to the world within this um, comic franchise. Um, And I really, in particular, enjoyed that Eli was able to... um, she was able to continue to be positive and want to do good, even though she was living in a world where it would have been so easy to go the opposite direction with the hate that she was getting and just how people so badly wanted to see her fail. Um, I really, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, and, um, I just really think that the concept is really interesting. So I also give it three conchas. All right, guys, it's now time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what is on our Juntos y Fuertes today? Today, we are sharing one of our favorite events. Um, This is the third (laughs) year, um, technically, that the Latinx Comics... uh, Wait, Latinx Comic Arts Festival has um, been in existence. The first year was the first year that uh, Komasi Comics took a road trip from Los Angeles <laughs> all the way down to booming Modesto in the heart <laughs> in the heart of the state, um, straight up uh, cows and cornfields, um, <laughs> and. We had the best, most amazing time there. And last year, we had planned to return. um, And unfortunately, um, of course, uh, COVID happened. And it was going to be in March. And it was right at the end of the year. I'm sorry, of the month. um, Right after everything shut down. And it was just so sad and disheartening that um, we uh, weren't able to do that and that the event itself had to be canceled. Um, so this year, um, again, we are not able to have an event that is in person, but there is going to be a virtual festival that is going to happen March 12th through 13th. And um, it's going to be um, this festival, this uh this whole event that's going to be happening is celebrating Latinx comic art creators and friends with panels, workshops, demos, conversations, and a virtual art gallery. So Mm. it's going to be 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. both days. So that's a, I believe the 12th is a, is that a Friday? It's a Friday. So um, yes, it is a Friday. Um, So that's a Friday and a Saturday. Uh, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And you can join by going to www.youtube.com backslash, um, it says backslash C and then backslash the Latin X Arts Festival. So I think if you just go to Latin X Comic Arts Fest, which is their website, there'll probably be a link or you can just search Latin X Comics Arts Festival festival on youtube and it'll take you directly to um to the page and we have the honor commodity comics has the honor of 
closing the whole event down with uh with an event <laughs> that I believe is going to be called Comics and Beer Forever. <laughs> it's going to be uh, a conversation with Comadres y Comics and Dr. Teresa Rojas, who is the uh, co-founder of, or actually the founder of Latinx Comics Art Festival, and um, she and uh, we, uh, Komasi Comics, are going to be meeting on Saturday the 13th at 4 p.m. to shut down the festival with um, uh, the grandest of the grand celebration. Uh, and so be sure if um, you can to tune in at four o'clock on Saturday, March 13th, and also to as many of the panels and demos and conversations that you can over the other two days as well. So the Latin X comic arts festival happening March 12th through 13th virtually on YouTube. Isn't that great? I wonder if we're going to be able to take uh, questions from the audience because that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Who but knows? Yeah. Maybe. Oh, I'm so looking forward to this. Um, I, I'm loving the virtual um, convention. So I'm just really stoked to be part of this one. So I'm very excited about that. So that's been our Juntos y Fuertes, guys. All right, guys, it's now time for En La Libreria. Jen, ¿qué tenemos en la librería hoy? Well, today we have something that's a little different. Usually I try to like focus on like comics and stuff like that. But today we have Coyote and Crow, the role playing game. So it is a science fiction and fantasy tabletop RPG set in the near future where the Americas were never colonized. And it was created by a team of natives. So uh, Coyote and Crow is an RPG. Uh, and it's where colonization never occurred. Instead, advanced civilizations rose up over hundreds of years after a massive climate disaster changed the history of the planet. So you'll play as adventurers starting out in the city of Kahokoi, a bustling, diverse metropolis along the Mississippi River. It's a world of science and spirituality where the future of technology and legends of the past will collide. The game is created and led by a team of Native Americans representing more than a dozen tribes, and they've built a game that both Natives and non-Natives uh, can explore and build upon. So, uh, basically, it takes it's, it, it is an anti-colonialist uh, world that it, basically the earth that this takes place in um, the world that it's the beginning of in their Kickstarter page says the world that could be more than 700 years ago a bright purple streak shot across the night sky over the coming weeks the earth fell into a deep winter the seas raged and ash rained from the sky the event became to became known as the Awis as resources dwindled, winter became longer and summer shorter. People struggled to survive. Wars erupted. People starved, some fleeing their ancestral homes before creeping ice sheets. But people survived. Tribes adapted, and in the wake, people began to notice a strange purple mark appearing on others, plants and animals alike. It became known as the Adahenadi. Yeah. Uh, the gift, and many took it as a sign that the great spirit had not given up on them. Eventually, the weather began to ease, the earth began to heal, and new nations arose. New sciences and technologies born out of necessity led to a discovery about the Adehanadi. It wasn't just a mark, it was a path to abilities and powers beyond normal human limits. So, the artwork that they show is absolutely stunning. It's bright it's vibrant it's colorful and the the um, uh, the people that you see are of native descent that you, very clearly they are of, na of native descent and you get a map uh about the game and it's basically it's it's basically a dnd game but this book has made a huge impact because it of its $18,000 goal, it is currently at $373,000. Oh, my goodness. What yeah, so I had talked about this earlier to them. When I had talked to them about it, it had been at $370,000. So wow. in, the, in the amount of time it's taking us to record this, it has gone up by $3,000. Wow. 
Wow. So it has 5,472 backers and it has 25 days to go. So it's, it looks amazing. It sounds incredibly interesting. And I am once again wanting to get into, uh, like RPGs, uh, mm-hmm. role playing games again. It sounds amazing. It looks amazing. And like the paths, and like there's like different, it says there's six archetypes. There's a lot of like D&D lingo and RPG lingo here that I don't quite understand, but it looks, it looks really, really cool. So you have, you can of course pledge without a reward. Uh, this means that you just want to support them. You want to give them money no matter how much it is. But there is a base pledge of like that starts out at $5 and it's called the whisperer. And it's just you supporting them. Uh, the other one is $20 and you get the early release of the full game in PDF format. So oh. for $20, you get the entire book in PDF. For $50, which is the Warrior Tea, you get the PDF and you get the co- the hardcover. Uh, and then at $50, it's there's a $50 donation that is $50 one that is donation. So it's just you donating the book to... Um, uh, either to the library or to something or to like um, uh, a kind of like, I guess a nonprofit of your choice, but yeah, you get the, you get the, you get the PDF and they donate the copy to, uh, to a library, specifically a library on a reservation. So that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. And then there's a $60 one, which comes with an exclusive package uh, that is, uh, it's called Roll20 Exclusive Adventure. So it just comes with an additional adventure. And from there, it keeps going on and keeps on building more. But if you want if you want the adventure yourself, it's just $20 to get the PDF. If you would like a hardcover, which I know a lot of RPG players enjoy their hardcovers, it's $50 or more. And $50 is about the average price for most RPG books. But it looks... It honestly looks really, really amazing. And the artwork that they've chosen uh, looks really beautiful. So, Coyote and Crow uh, on Kickstarter. Now, I've never played uh, role-playing games, uh, Jen, but is that something mm-hmm. you can do via Zoom? Uh, yes, I know. I know a couple of people who play RPGs. I personally have never played an RPG. Um, uh it like I like tried once, but it wasn't me being like playing. It was me kind of DMing, uh, and it was it was interesting. But I was just like, eh, uh, whatever. Um, uh, because to be a good DM, I think you need to be a good player first. And I didn't know how to play, so I think I left a lot of people confused. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um uh, but it's it, it is something that can be done over Zoom. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting. So, so if you're interested in RPGs or you just want to back something that is extremely, extremely cool and really interesting and really, uh, really unseen of, especially in the RPG community. As a matter of fact, RPGs are kind of known for being like a little bit uh, like, oh, like we don't see race kind of thing or like using illusions and stuff like that. Uh, which can be really irritating, but this one is that is so obviously very native focused and native made. I think is really really interesting, and it has a lot of backers. So I think that in itself uh, speaks for just how great this looks. And uh, from what they've posted, it seems to appeal to a lot of people who play RPGs and know what they're doing. All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? Yes, I have a book that I highly recommend to everybody. Um, and it is uh, this uh, week a Marvel book. Um, it is Demon Days X-Men number one. And it is by up-and-coming um, breakout creator Peach Momoko. And she has this amazing style of art that when you look at it, you just can see that it's her. It's just so soft and nice and just amazing. I love it so much. Um, But 
this um, Demon Days X-Men is a reimagining of the X-Men universe. Um, this book ventures into the early years of Japan within a new Marvel universe. And in this universe, Psylocke is reimagined as a Psy, a wandering swordsman with a trusty wolf companion. Now, guess what her wolf companion's name is? Logan. Oh, snap. <laughs> so this world has reimagined a lot of Marvel characters and put them into this, um, this new universe. And <clears throat> one of the main, um, like, uh, bad guys, quote unquote, um, is Venom. But Venom in this world is reimagined as an Oni, which is, um, oh. uh, yeah. uh, an ogre that lives in the mountains here in this. Um, and it's an onius, I guess, something that um, is exists in Japanese folklore um, as well. And um, this village is being um, terrorized by this oni. And so they actually hire Psylocke to kill it um, in exchange for a place to stay and rest. So um, when they actually show Venom, uh, slash the Oni for the first time. It's so like the art is so amazing. It's so cool. I just love it so much. And I loved this story. The artwork was so awesome. And I just, it, it, this idea is just so new and fresh to me. I mean, if they'd done it before, I have no idea, but this, I loved it. And I, I just, I've been hand selling it left and right in the shop to people who don't even read X-Men or Marvel. So um, I highly recommend it. Um, I don't know. I know it's a limited series. I don't know how long it's going. But um, Demon Days X-Men and number one just came out this last week, which was um, March 3rd. So you still have time to pick it up and catch up on it and um, follow it moving forward. That's super awesome. All right, guys, it's now time for saludos. And today, estamos saludando a uh, Five Meets Comics. If you guys remember, they are the creators of Mashbone and Grifty. And actually, Mashbone and Grifty, the digital copy, will be available for purchase on March 10th. And that'll be six, 60 pages of awesomeness. And um, the reason that I am saludándolos is because they were scheduled to release this book back in 2020, but because of COVID, a lot of things started happening, and so their release wasn't a, been it has been delayed. And so now we are finally going to be able to get to read uh, Mashbone and Grifty. I believe it's book four, so it's really exciting. And the cool part about everything, if you follow them on Instagram. You get to see a basically a commercial from uh, Gilbert Gottfried. And if you guys don't know who that man is, let me tell you, he is Lago, Lago's voice from Aladdin. And if you guys don't Iago. know, who, Iago. Iago. Oh, uh, yeah. Iago. Yes, Iago. I'm so, so I don't know why I said Lago. Uh, Iago. And uh, he is that parrot. So, and he's. I mean, I love that character. It's one of my favorites in the whole Aladdin uh, animated series movies. Uh, so, yes, go check that out. Five Meets on Instagram. And also, saludos to you guys because we're going to finally get, because I, I I supported the Kickstarter, so I'm excited to get um, my uh, my physical copy of Mashbone and Grifty, 60, ba 60 pages nice. of extravaganza. So um, I can't wait, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys that brings us to the end of our episode where can they find us girls you can find us on instagram at comadresy comics and also on facebook at comic comadres you can find us on twitter at comic comadres where you can dm us as well um also you can Email us directly at comadrecicomics at gmail.com. You could also find our last platicas on our YouTube, Comadreci Comics. Just search Comadreci Comics. We'll be right up there. My most recent interview that we did on Las Platicas is with Gabe Cheng, so check that out. Also, please remember, we are still doing that drawing for uh, people who rate and review our podcast on 
Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Um, also, you can review or comment on CastBox and you'll be entered to win uh, two the first two issues of Lightning Strikes by um, Marcus Newsom, who also autographed them. Um, also, if you like and subscribe on our YouTube channel, but you must comment in order to enter into the drawing because that's how we'll be able to enter your name. Um, and I have interesting news. Uh, for those of you who win the uh, drawing uh, and are over the age of 21, I will throw in a beer that we have reviewed on the podcast as part as the gift in the drawing, the first two issues of Lightning Strikes and a beer that we reviewed on the podcast. So please be sure to get on that and go ahead and rate and review our podcast. You must also review it uh, because that's the, the only way you could be entered into the drawing. So um, also remember, you have to check out periodnetwork.com for other wonderful uh, podcasts created by women for everyone. Um, that has been this episode. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.